Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of season three of the Wormbrunner podcast. I am your host, Justin, and for this week, I am bringing back a very, very special guest onto the show, Mr. Alex Barker. Welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, man. Do you know what? I, I must say, there's no one else in the podcast industry who schedules their guests as so far in advance as you do. It's just something I very much appreciate. It's very easy to plan around. Uh, and it's it had a lot of fun on the last couple of times I've been on, uh, so I'm looking forward to it, to it today. You have to be unique. That's always what I've been told. <laughs> and well, I'm so glad that it's I'm able to work with you and just to be able to have you on the show as well and be able to talk about what you'll be a part of in the future. And one of the main reasons why I wanted to bring you back onto the podcast is you will be managing in a football matchup and coming. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. So for my first question, I would love to hear what and how you're feeling about being a manager for Team TikTok going into this match. Oh, good question. I'm feeling quite excited, to be honest. So, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, there is a, a charity match taking place in Brighton in um, in England, 6th of May. Uh, and it'll be, yes, between Team TikTok and Team Twitter. Some big creators like Danny Aarons who are on, and um, Liam Vizer on YouTube getting involved for Twitter. And, um, you know, there's lots of people who could bang on about and let me self-promo it. But honestly, when the opportunity came up, I was very much like, obviously, you know, it's a silly charity match at the end of the day. But I kind of I do want to take it a bit seriously. So I think since it got announced, mate, I have been working my brain a bit differently, trying to think ahead to next month, thinking how can I lay, like, what's the best plan of action here? Because as a small ginger kid, uh, I don't naturally command authority. So I'm going to need to be very clever coming up to this game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I and I feel like that's one of the things, when I when I had saw the post that you had made going into being a manager for Team TikTok, I was like, Wait, what? And I was just so excited for you. It was really awesome. I I very much look forward to it. Do you – this is actually a genuine question because I don't know. Is this going to be televised or if it, is it going to be streamed on YouTube or anything? Um, it, I believe it will be streamed on YouTube on the Social Series Cup uh, YouTube channel. So, yeah, you'll be able to find it there. Fantastic. And to be able to talk a little bit about your thought process, I – I had seen a tweet that you had made, and you might get a little laugh out of this, but as soon as I saw this tweet, I was like, what in the world is going on? My next question is, what was your thought process and what led to the decision of tweeting out your formation before the match? Um, well, the thought process was to confuse the opposition. Uh, the, the opposition manager is Dubois, and I back him to not be doing any research on me beyond what I publicly tweet. So I'll let you in on the secrets, Justin. I feel that confident. This, we are not going to be playing the formation I put out, which is like a 3-4-2-1. To be honest, I didn't know who my goalkeeper would be at that time. I think in, goal, in, in the goalkeeper zone, I put help me as a, our number one. Um <laughs> So, to tell you a bit more behind the process, rather than giving you sort of media answers, mm-hmm. my logic for this game is, right, every, not everyone's going to be fit. And I could talk about that in a second, actually. 
I know no one's going to be able to fit to do 90 minutes and no one's going to be bothered to do something too intense. So it's actually in these sort of situations where I'm feeling like more of an interim manager, you've got to keep things simple, as simple as possible for everyone to understand and as simple as possible for everyone not to get exploited. Okay, well, that definitely makes sense. And do you feel like having the role as a quote-unquote like kind of interim manager brings more stress or less stress? It's a fun question. Um, I'll tell you what, it's both sides of the coin, right? On one side, there's no stress. It's going to be a fun day. It's all for mm-hmm. content, all for charity. Like at the end of the day, it's down to the players. You know, they have to take mm-hmm. it seriously. On the other, on the other hand, I feel like with the name, with the the ego that's put out there from the then Eurex, but there's some level of expectation on me. You know, people will be comparing me to Will Still or Ronald Weasley, depending on how I do on the day. Um, so, and one thing I like that has clicked in my head though is that so I recently played in a, in a charity match on a much lower level, organised by someone called James Oliver House, is fantastic organiser in person on on um, Twitter, and uh, I played. I had the fortune of playing against Charlie Daniels, a former Bournemouth Premier League footballer who only retired a couple of years ago, and I realised Justin that I'm incredibly bad at football, and the average person is incredibly unfit and bad at football and cannot last 90 minutes. I subbed myself off after 70. I think we were like eight nil down. I did okay to be fair. I was quite happy with myself. But this is something I'm trying to think about. Where I feel like a lot of people coming into these sort of things, they think, okay, let's try something bold. Let's get everyone pressing. It, 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 this whole thing has made me realise there is a huge gap between what Premier League, like professional footballers and even a good Sunday league player. I think someone, I can't remember which player said it, but um, I think there was a player in the Championship or League One who said, I'm closer to Lionel Messi than I am to like a non-professional footballer. And like when you when you play 90 minutes, which I know probably a lot of people do do, but when you play 90 minutes against like, from out of nowhere against someone who's playing in the Premier League, my God, you really feel the difference. Absolutely, yeah. I hearing that, I myself, I play on the side as well. I'm I'm actually in two leagues myself, and then I play pickup on the side of that. And I remember when I first started that, I only played one league at first, and my word, my body was like. What are you doing to me? <laughs> this was this was a span of I don't know probably a couple of years since I actually legitimately played. So my body was like, "What in God's green earth are you doing?" <laughs> like, so that that it says a lot to know that you're taking that into perspective, and and that's really good to know what, and that's what managers need to know is their limits having to do with their players. And I wanted to ask with this next question, when we see Alex on the touchline for this TikTok versus Twitter match, are we going to see like a non-reactive Jose Mourinho from Roma or like an overly exuberant uh, Miguel Herrera when your team does score a goal in this game. Oh, we're going to see a Nathan Jones, my friend. We're going to see someone <laughs> shouting a lot and not meaning a lot. Um, now, I, I, I just want to make sure everyone has a fun time, you know. Like, I think that is the end of the day, uh, the key at the end of the day. More of a better Di Matteo, right? If the players are enjoying themselves and feel like they know what they're doing, even if it's simple, then I feel like that's the most likely outcome to a victory. 
Yeah, and we'll actually get back to Roberto Di Matteo in in a minute because I have oh. a separate I have a separate question connected to him. <laughs> so, but going forward, uh, since you have been studying the art of management, let's just say it, it doesn't have to be anything tied towards this match at all. But are there any methods that you have seen that have had an impact on you? And as like an example, Arsene Wenger having his dietary control requirements uh, over Arsenal when he first gained control of the club. Ooh. Tell you what, there's something has been impacting me because something I haven't mentioned yet, actually. I'm currently about to go into Imagine Five Aside team on the side, and um, which is why I really am kind of thinking more from this mindset. And the book of Renus Michels is a... I've read that recently, and it's a tough read. It was published in 2000. It's been translated from Dutch to English quite roughly. And there will be people listening thinking, who does this guy think he is? He's talking about Renus Michels when he's doing a -a five-a-side team. But in the book, he has a lot of training sessions depicted, and he was way ahead of his time. And it's just about how you can break down little scenarios like doing 3v2s or 4v3s. And like those are the sort of things that have had an impact on me the most. I feel like if I take charge of a team, even if it's for a short time, even if it's five aside or this one of charity match, I'm going to be making sure everyone has the ball, which is something like Mourinho said. Make sure everyone is like constantly engaging with the ball in mini sessions. I think this is, this kind of comes down to tactical periodization, something that Mourinho talked about. I think it's quite a layered topic, but the general idea is. Like you stay away from like running eleven kilometers for the sake of it. You do all your training with the ball because that way you're um, getting used to playing. You're 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 becoming sharper with the ball. Um, you're constantly improving that side of your game and constantly becoming a better footballer rather than a better runner. Absolutely, and that makes sense too. Because when it comes to big scenario times in the match, nine times out of ten, it it could be with a ball at your feet. And when it comes to arguably the other important part is off the ball movement, but I I agree with that statement because I feel like whenever people play, that's one of the things that kind of trips people up is the actual they they have the movement down, but the ball movement can be refined, and that goes to my next question of it. You seem very into this and I love it because I am as well. Is management something that you would be interested in pursuing? If you asked me this time last year, I would have said absolutely not. I do want to pursue the role of journalism and that is still something I really want to do. But I think maybe in a couple, maybe like a couple of decades, like just on a low level, I don't want the pressure of anything like major, but it's fun getting your brain engaging. And I do, I do like the idea of just seeing like, I know I've spoken about making things simple, but I like the idea of taking a Sunday league team and just trying to implement something different. I know in, in the UK, when I was growing up and playing Sunday league, everyone just played a 4-4-2 with fast strikers up front, big, tall, physical people in midfield who bully you away, and it's just impossible to play against them. I'd love to like get to a position where I could try something different, and but not have the ambition to take it further. Like I don't ever want to be an actual professional manager, but like... I'd love to see what you could do by having the attitude of improving yourself, 
but keeping yourself to a low level and just seeing like what what you could end up doing. Okay, I can definitely end it because going going and taking that manager spot, you there there are a lot of pressures when it comes to it being a manager, and I I I can definitely understand you you don't really want that person the all of the major because the Premier League obviously there's pressure galore there and going forward from that you you just want to be able to have fun with it in a way and i can definitely understand that and going towards management styles i don't want to get too in depth because i know i i i, I don't want to essentially let the other team get your homework <laughs> but uh, is is there a manager that you're you look up to right now currently or or possibly even over the course of your life that you've looked up to saying if i was to be a manager that's the person i want to be like oh i've never thought too seriously about it but i guess if i was ever like a proper manager oh, that, that's really tough really tough question because i could never be a charismatic carlo Ancelotti. i just i'm not i'm not that charming um I couldn't be a Mourinho because I haven't got the cold heartedness in me. I, like so, probably like a, probably like a Graham Potter, someone who's quite soft could probably never could probably never win a Champions League, but you know would be fairly respectable by most people. Okay, yeah, I can I can definitely understand. Speaking of with Potter getting sacked, <laughs> woo! <laughs> but regardless, no, I can definitely I can definitely understand that and and. Everyone's style is different when it comes to being a manager, and this is where I want to go to the previous connector between the other questions of Roberto Di Matteo. If you could switch places with any of these managers for their achievements, which one would it be? Oh, God. You have Roberto Di Matteo with Chelsea's Champions League win, Arsene Wenger's invincible season. Pep Guardiola or Jose Mourinho coaching Messi or Ronaldo for two El Clasicos, or Claudio Ranieri's Leicester City win. So by swap the achievements, do you mean like I am now Alex Barker and I've achieved these things, or yes. like, or like I was gonna say, or is it like I I experience being Claudio Ranieri, it's like swapping bodies? Ooh, can we do both? <laughs> okay, well, if I if the achievement would be Ranieri's Leicester because that'd be awesome, like that that's the greatest achievement I've ever seen. But like in terms of swapping bodies, like I feel like that's the highlight of Ranieri's career, and the rest of it has been like mediocre to bad, <laughs> and that's why it was such a big achievement. I'd probably be Pep because he's always been the most loved and just like the least, the, <laughs> the least divisive and the most chilled out, despite going bald. So I'd probably go Pep. The other guys, I don't think I could hack it. <laughs> oh, I love it though. That's yeah. I unfortunately, Ranieri's career has, as you had stated, been mediocre at best. That was that was the highlight of his career. And just as a actually separate side note, I actually wanted to get your point of view. Uh, when Ranieri was sacked from Leicester, did you agree with that, or, or did you? Say like, uh, maybe that wasn't really fair. Uh, I know I agreed with it. They were in the relegation zone at the time, if I remember rightly, and 
well, I mean, they they move forward really well. I think they've done everything right apart from not sacking Rogers earlier than they did <laughs> than they have now. Yeah, yeah, they they have definitely flipped the script in becoming a more dominant side in the Premier League from this win that that Ranieri did. It's definitely something that I feel like they've capitalized on in a good way, even though obviously my heart was like, Ranieri, no. But <laughs> I feel like some most people would also agree with that. But regardless, though, that I, th- I feel like that was the, good, the best decision for the club, though. And for my final question of this segment, I do have a rather hard one for you. Mm-hmm. It is going to be, if you could manage three rivalry matches in the entire world, could you list the top three? Oh, ho, ho, that's an excellent, that's an excellent question. The first one that came to my head was Lazio v Roma. Uh, oh! Yeah, I think that's just such a fierce rivalry. I, I think it's got a lot of bad blood. I'd, go, I'd manage it with, like, a security presence. But that, that just feels like it's got so much history attached to it. So Lazio Roma, I'd manage Marseille on the rare occasion they beat PSG uh, at, at the Velodrome. Oh, that'd be amazing. See the, the, the do you know the Velodrome's the biggest stadium in France as well? It's bigger than um, PSG Stadium. So Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd love to see the Velodrome just like erupt, beating P- PSG like two 0 or something like that. It'd be amazing. Oh, no, one more rivalry. I don't know, it'd be inspired by Carl Wanker on the Athletic, he did a recent um, article on Feyenoord v Ajax. Uh, oh. Yeah, I don't know, I think that counts more as a rivalry than a derby, and it's interesting, he said, I think it was from like the mid-2000s, um, away fans have been banned from the games, because there's just so, I think that was a death, a death from fights breaking out, it was just so, like, troublesome. I think, like, Dutch police, I'm really quote from his article, I think Dutch police said something like, they have to treat that game as if it's New Year's Eve. Like, that's the level of, like... Holy cow. Yeah, pandemonium that goes around. Um, but both fan bases are awesome. So, yeah, those three. Final Ajax, Lazio Roma, and Le Classique, PSG v Marseille. Now, I know... I, th- I think I might have gotten a glimpse of one of it, and I wanted to follow up slightly. Which side would you manage in this rivalry? Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. So Marseille VPS, I'd manage Marseille. I'd manage Feyenoord against Ajax, because Ajax, Carl said as well, probably most disliked team in the Netherlands, because they're just, you know, they're full up, up there on asses. Um, and then I managed Roma because I'm not because <laughs> I'm not racist. <laughs> I'm not yeah, Lazio fan. I, I I I realized after I asked the question that there was really only one answer for that one. <laughs> uh, I kind of shot myself in the foot there, but oh well, that that's okay. I I'm still I'm still happy regardless of of your takes on that. I I really appreciate that and. Are we ready to move on to our next segment having to do with the PK shootout? I know that the last one had a little bit of controversy in it, and I'm hoping that there's not one this time. <laughs> uh, I, I think I'm ready. It's been a while since the last one, so I don't know if my questions are harder or easier than uh, <laughs> than what's the standard. So I guess we'll find out. 
Yeah, I, I, ironically, I actually feel the exact same way. <laughs> I don't know if I've made them too hard or, or too easy or, I feel like some of them, they're very easy to get, but others, you've got to really think. And so we'll, we'll take it from there though. Would you like to go first or do you want me to go first? You go first, you go first. Actually, before we get into this, I want to take a quick second and explain this PK Shootout segment. We have five questions asking back and forth. The person with the most questions wins the PK Shootout. It's pretty much a standard PK Shootout. And with our first question, we have Zinedine Zidane is regarded as one of the best midfielders in the entire world. Yet he could have had a completely different career path. He was rumored to be joining an English side. Arsenal. No, 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 no. Can you finish? That's not my final answer. <laughs> <laughs> not my final answer. Blackburn, Blackburn Rovers. That's my final answer. <laughs> I said no controversy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but yes, let me let me finish the question. That is not a final. That's not a final answer. Uh, the club owner said. Why would we sign Zinedine Zidane when we have Tim Sherwood, who was this club? Norwich City, Blackburn Rovers, Tottenham Hotspurs, or Watford? So, I think, you know, let's start with controversy straight away. i tell you <laughs> what, I, you know what, I'm going to have to be fair. I, I shouted Arsenal straight away. I think you've got to take that answer. Ah, I know it's Blackburn, but I've, I've shot myself in the foot. We'll make it, we'll not, we won't make it controversial. I'll load up. I got too cocky. I shouted Arsenal. I didn't let you finish the question. Okay. Arsenal is your final answer, and it is not correct. So, <laughs> yes, you you are correct. It's Blackburn Rovers. Um, so, all right, Mr. Alex, let's see how I fare against your first, first question. Okay. Are we, and we're doing multiple choice for each one, yeah? Yes, four, please. Okay, okay. Um when was the last time Feyenoord won the Eredivisie? They're obviously looking likely to win it now. When was the last time? Was it 2015, 2016, 2017, or 2018? That's a fantastic question because I don't keep too, too much with the Eredivisie. But going off of Ten Hag's seasons with the Eredivisie, I want to say... I know his first title came in 2019. 29, so, sorry, 2019, 2020, if I'm not mistaken. And given that maybe AZ, Alekmar, might have gotten one before then, I want to say it was more recent than 16 or 17, but I'll go ahead and go 2018, final answer. Oh, it was 2017. Do you know the manager? I do not know the manager. Who was it? Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, former, now former Van Rangers manager. Yeah. Wow. And his first okay. managerial job. Really? It was indeed. Second wow. season. And he won it. Holy cow. That's a good achievement. <laughs> that's really good. Okay. Well, goodness gracious. I was off by one. I should have. I should have no, I, I I can't even I can't even try to mind game with you. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't gonna get that, I don't think. I was pretty heavy set that it was more recent on that twenty eighteen side. But regardless, let's go ahead and get into the second question. As of March of twenty twenty three, 
which of these four sides has the most league titles as a professional side? Olympiarcos, Rangers, Linfield FC, or Celtic? Celtic. Final answer? Yeah. Uh-uh. Ah, oh, was it Linfield? It is Linfield. No, you, it you, is you. I, that was that was one of the things I wanted to try to get you with, but yeah. So Olympiacos has set a forty-five titles. Uh, Celtic have fifty-one. Rangers have fifty-five, and Linfield just recently took it in the last couple months with fifty-six. <sighs> So many titles. I know. <laughs> oh man. So and and ironically enough, and I'll even put it in the comments of of this of this episode. I had a buddy of mine. Uh, we did this PK shootout, and I didn't study hard enough, and I didn't even realize he was a Celtic fan, and. <laughs> He thought it was Rangers, didn't even consider Linfield, and got it wrong on purpose, knowing that Rangers had more titles. <laughs> and so I felt so bad. <laughs> so, but regardless, um, but yes, that was the second question. Uh, Mr. Alex, would you like to ask your second question? Sure. Okay. Jose Mourinho, ahead of his treble-winning season with Inter Milan in 2010, had one of the best summer transfer windows of all time. It's a benchmark which what he would use for the rest of his career to say, this is me getting backed. Which of these players did not sign in the summer of 2009 for Inter Milan? A. Wesley Schneider B. Lucio C. Diego Melito D. Thiago Motta no, Goran Pandev. So what was the fourth one again? Sorry. Pandev. 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 Okay. Okay. I I know for a f- I, I want to say I'm confident saying Snyder was signed during that period. Mm-hmm. And I don't... Melito... I was fairly confident he was signed then too, which leaves B and D. And I'll be a hundred percent honest, I have no idea when either of them was signed. Lucio or um, Pandev? Yes. Not getting you any hints. I, <laughs> I, I hope not. <laughs> one, one is a defender, one is a midfielder slash forward. It, ironically enough, that doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's just go B. B? Uh, Lucio? Yes, Lucio. Oh, it's a bad start for both of us. It was Goran Pandev. He signed in January oh. of 2010. He helped him, he helped spur them to the treble. Ah! Uh. Yeah, that, that, um, I thought, I thought, I thought I messed it up there because, yeah, the, the summer window was Schneider, Lucio, Eto, Melito, and Thiago Motta, all in one summer window. Golly! Incredible window there for Inter. They had Zanetti still, they had Cambiasso still, they had Cordoba, they had, they had Julio Cesar. Unreal team back then. Yeah, it was. It really was. No, obviously, no wonder they won the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, dang, that was, that was not, you're right, that is not a good start for us. Let's see if we can change this around. 
with the third question is going on to rivalries like we did last time. And I'm hoping this one might stump you. Mm-hmm. If I was to tell you I was going to the Derby of the Lighthouse, which of these games would I be going to? Real Madrid versus Athletic Bilbao. Heart of Midlothian versus Hibernian. Linfield FC versus Glentora FC. Or Genoa versus Sampdoria. Run it for again, please. Of course. Real Madrid versus Athletic Bilbao. Heart of Midlothian versus Hibernian. Linfield FC versus Glentoran FC. Or Genoa versus Sampdoria. Oh, God. Surely it's got something to do with geographical knowledge. The thing is, I've heard of Derby of the Lighthouse before. I've, I've heard that term. And maybe it's just because I've consumed football content on like a daily basis. So it could have been from any of them. So I'm trying to break it down. I know nothing about Linfield, but you'd be an evil man to put two questions in with both answers relating to them. Genoa beats Genoa, I forget where they are in Italy. I think they're north. I'm not sure about Sampdoria. Um, so Derby of the Lighthouse, that doesn't make sense. And the other two were Madrid versus Bilbao, and the other one was... Heart of Midlothian versus Hibernian. And I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> you know, it's an English phrase. Okay, we'll go with that one, the um, the Hibernian one. Uh-uh. Oh, don't tell me it's Madrid v. Bilbao. It is not, thank okay. the Lord. And you and you were correct. I am not an evil man and would not put two Linfield answers. It is Genoa versus Sampdoria. Oh, fair enough. So yes, it, you almost got it. No, I was just like, I was kind. Of, and I'll be a hundred percent honest. I kind of was banking on the geographical knowledge a very tiny bit, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is exactly why I put Heart of Midlothian versus Hibernian. So that was that was like the yeah the one of them preface. sounds like one of them sounds like a character in four like I had no idea yeah <laughs> so okay let me see if I can get this third one because I'll be a hundred percent honest I think you have this fourth one on my end oh uh, well that's good because I'm going to ask you an easy one but your questions have been mean so far so this one is um which of these players in PSG's uh team have not got one goal contribution in Liga and this season. Marco Verratti, Leonardo Paredes, Timothy Pembele, or Vitinha? Oh my god, of course. Germany Christmas. Um, can you repeat them one more time? Marco Verratti, Leandro Paredes, Timothy Pembele, and Vitinha. Which one of them has not contributed to a Liga and goal this season? A league on goal. Mm-hmm. It's a goal or assist. That's horrendous. <laughs> we're, we're over halfway in the season. They don't have goodness. Um, I'll be a hundred percent honest. My league on is is horrendous at best. Justin, I'll be a hundred percent honest. If it didn't have it up in front of me on foot breath, I wouldn't know either. Wow! Wow! No, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kick it about uh B Paredes I think uh Paredes yes yeah that's a, that's the one I'm going for you going for Paredes yes the Paredes left 
PSG in the summer after just three appearances. So you're still wrong. He got an assist in that time. Ah! Um, the answer is Marco Verratti. <laughs> is it really? Dang it! I thought you would do something like that. <laughs> he is such a big name. There's. It was obvious that he would get something. Re- he's been that bad this season. He's just not got a goal or assist, man. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, he's, um... Holy cow. I would have thought he'd gotten something by now. <laughs> by expected goals, he's meant to have 1.5 by, like, combined. But now he's got nothing... Holy cow. Well, goodness gracious. I don't know. Dang it. I'd need to improve my European knowledge even more. In fact, that's a horrid question. But then again, you did ask me, like, (laughs) what is the lighthouse derby? Yeah, so, yeah, I feel like that's fair. So let's, let's go ahead, dial it back a little bit. But I, I think this one is easy. We'll see. Back to Zinedine Zidane but later into his career. He was quoted saying, why put another layer of gold paint on the Bentley when we're losing the entire engine in in reference to a player being sold from Real? Who was that player? Oh, man. You not got a harder one. That's easy. That's Claude Makalele. Final answer? Yeah, I don't even need your options. Wow. Yes, you are correct. It is Claude McAlealy. So, yes. I I felt like that was a pretty easy one. I wasn't entirely sure there might be... I felt like we had a lot of hard questions, and then I'd throw a softball and throw you off, but that obviously didn't work. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll throw something back at you. I, I, have a, I have some mean questions for sudden death, assuming you get there. I do, too. I my do ne- too. Yeah, so, you know, I'll even... If you don't get to sudden death after this, that's quite embarrassing. Um, who is the last Italian team to win a Champions League? Is it A, Juventus, B, Milan, C, Inter, or D, Roma? Oh my, I, I think it was, oh no, I'm doubting myself. Hard, hard here. (laughs) I'll give you a clue. Um, my stupid brain thought it was a different team until I read out the question. Well, I'll I'll break it down a little more easier for me. I I'm double checking. I've got it right, of course. <laughs> Just because I, I couldn't believe I forgot about that team. Yeah, I'm right. Was it? Oh no, I'm gonna shoot myself in the foot if I got this wrong. Was it the? Enter that won the trouble? It was. It was. Phew. <gasps> Holy so, cow. My brain I, my brain was like, oh my word. So as I was reading out the question, I thought it was Milan for whatever reason. Even though I've written an article just yesterday about how Inter Milan won the Champions League, right? And it was only when I was thinking of other Italian teams to give other options for A, B, C, and D. I was like, oh shit, yeah, Inter won it. <laughs> So the true answer changed mid-question. Oh, well, all right then. <laughs> yes! <laughs> who? Just for curiosity's sake, who was the one before or before that one? Uh, it was AC Milan. Oh, okay, well, interesting. I, how far back are we talking, like... Oh, 2007, when they beat Liverpool. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 because that was... Yeah, that was after... 
Istanbul, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They got their, like, revenge. <laughs> okay. So this next question for my final question, we're tied at one. Holy cow, going into the final question, we might have sudden death. I feel this might be a softball or a fastball. Either way you look at it, we'll see. <laughs> According to Transfer Marked on March 31st, 2023, how many transfers have gone above 100 million British pounds? Oh, how many? Have you A, B, C, D, or is it it's just guess yes? Yeah. No, 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 I have choices. <laughs> I'm okay. not going to be that evil. <laughs> Seven, eight, nine, or ten. I, I honestly feel like I can work this out. So how, just how many, like, just transferred in general for over £100 million? Yeah, so it, I, Transfer Mark has it in euros, but I transferred it to British pounds and figured out how many have gone above the 100 million British pounds threshold. Okay, okay right. Um, It'll be Neymar first, then with the Neymar money, Barcelona bought Coutinho and Dembele, so that's three. It, and then that, so that's 2018. Um, that's not a big, Mbappe goes a year later for £100 million, pounds, so that's four. Um, then around the same time, Hazard moves to Madrid, that's five. Um, now, so we're in 2019. I don't think anyone else moves in 2019 for 100 million pounds, apart from Hazard. Thinking Bayern, no, they never would. Chelsea don't, no, not Steel United, no, no, no. Um, Madrid have just spent the money. Barcelona are going bankrupt, so it's not them. Um, or Juventus. No, I think they signed for like 88 million. No, but I think they did. I've got to say six. I think that's Juventus, six. Um, and then 2020, there's a no, 2021. Who's the recent ones? Enzo Fernandez, seven. Uh, it's all the Chelsea players now, isn't it? Uh, Lukaku, nah, he wasn't 100 mil. Was he? He was, wasn't he? Eight. Grealish, nine. I think he went for 100 mil. What, what, how, what were the options? Uh, seven, eight, nine, and ten. I feel like I might have got one wrong and forgotten another, so I'm going to go with nine. Nine is your final answer? Yeah. Let me pull up my thing again. I'm so sorry. Because <laughs> I was pulling it up at the same time to, to double-check you, you. Can you tell me which ones were as well? Oh, absolutely, yes. And you went with nine, correct? Yeah. Uh-uh. Oh, damn, who won what? I'm missing. It was ten. Oh. And the transfers were Eden Hazard, mm-hmm. Cristiano Ronaldo, mm-hmm. Jack Grealish, yeah, Antoine Griezmann, oh, for... Enzo he Fernandez. He went for 121 what was euros. What yep. was Barcelona doing? <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> I can't answer that one. And then Enzo Fernandez. Hmm. There was one that I didn't hear, but I don't know if you somehow worked it in. I might have missed it. Zhao Felix. Oh, yeah. 
then Philippe Coutinho, Os- Os- Usman Dembele, Kylian Mbappe, and then Neymar. So my logic wasn't too far off in that I no. thought I got a, I thought I got one wrong, uh, but I'm probably missing one. Ah, oh, just missed one more. All right, good question. Okay, I, I'm I feel like this this question is gettable. Okay, you could win yeah. it here. I know you beat me last time, didn't you? Yes, I did. It was controversial, but I did. All right. I'm, I'm worried I might have even asked this before. We'll see. Who is the most, ses- most successful Belgian team of all time? I.e., who has won the most titles? Is it A, Union Saint-Gilois. B, Standard Liège. C, Anderlecht. Or D, Club Brugge. That's a fantastic question, because... The Belgian Pro League, I do not really <laughs> keep up the history. I keep up with the competition. I don't keep up with the history. I know the first one might be something to throw me off, so I'm going to throw it out. What was the what was the team name again? Union Saint Gilles. They are. I'll give, I'll give you top. They are currently in the Belgian top flight. They almost won the league last year. They finished top, but they lost at the playoffs. They did really good in in their continental competition this season, right? Yeah, they're they're playing Bayer Leverkusen That's in right. the uh, Europa League. That's right. So, going from that though, Standard Liège, Anderlecht, and you said Club Bruges. Uh, yes. Historically speaking, I think I could be shooting myself in the foot here. I feel like I want to go with Arderlecht, but something's telling me standard Liège, and I don't know what it is. What's your final answer? I think I can live with myself if I answer with standard Liège. So standard Liège. Or can you? Because the answer is Anderlecht. Standard Liège, not even close. Here goes Anderlecht with 34, Club Bruges with 18, Union Saint-Gilles with 11, and Liège with 10. 10! Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Why did I think Standard Liège? Did they have, like, a span where they were really good for a time? They did, yeah. They, they, I think in more recent times they've been one of Belgium's biggest clubs. Okay, that that might have been what threw me off there. Okay, that makes sense then, though. Okay. Whew, we are still asking really hard questions. We are indeed. <laughs> Holy cow. So, tiebreakers. If we, if we still need more, I might need a break. <laughs> because I might need to get more questions. But, for this next one... I kind of wanted a little bit of revenge. Oh god, okay. For the World Cup question last time. <laughs> Cuz I did not know you had that massive trove of information and you absolutely obliterated me with that question. Oh yeah, I remember. I loved it though. I loved it, but it just irked me in the tiniest way. <laughs> so, <laughs> going back to the World Cup more specifically, this this does have to do with outside of Europe, but I promise I'm going to bring it back in. Jim Douglas was the very first man 
to get a clean sheet in a World Cup match in 1930, more specifically. But which European side did he make this clean sheet against? Belgium, France, Romania, or Yugoslavia? The first World Cup clean sheet. First ever World Cup clean sheet. Yugoslavia. Final answer? Yeah. It is wrong. Oh, no idea. It was Belgium. Okay, well, so. I'll, I'll fire one straight back at you to win it. Porto famously won the Champions League in 2004. Which of these teams were not in the final four of the competition? Was it A, Monaco, B, Deportivo La Coruña, C, Chelsea, or D, Manchester United? Which one was not in the final four? I remember that year. It was absolutely a a despicable year for giant clubs. I don't know what it was about that year, but giant clubs just could not qualify for the semifinals that year. So I'm leaning more towards like the Chelsea Manchester Uniteds. That's a fantastic question. I'm fairly confident Monaco made it. And I'm fairly cut because 04 was when Deportivo La Coruña were really good, I think. And I think that was the year that they made it the furthest in the competition. And that was, they, they've never made it to the semifinals, obviously, since then. They're in the third division, I think. I want to say it was Chelsea or United. Did, Let's go with Chelsea screaming at me. So, uh, final answer, Chelsea. Oh, you were so close. Is Manchester United? Oh, no. So, what I tried to do there was play on the memory of Mourinho is running down the touchline for Porto as he's Porto side beat Manchester United. Now, I thought that was in the semi-finals because of how dramatic it was. It was actually in the round of 16. Holy Monaco, cow. Monaco beat Chelsea in 2003-04 to get to the final where they lost to Porto. Wow. Oh, that was a fantastic question. Thank you. <laughs> Holy cow. I, re- I, re- I think, I don't know if you heard me blow a fuse over here. I really had to think. <laughs> yeah, I could sell that. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, we're going to have to take a, a very small break. Do you have another question? Um, no. <laughs> okay, so we're we're going to have to take a small break and come back with uh with a final buzzer beater question, I guess. All right. So, after our little intermediate break, we have our we have two additional questions just in case if we <laughs> The, the next one but how confident do you feel coming into these last couple questions Alex oh not very at all but we'll see <laughs> I I will be 100% honest with only one a piece I'm not very confident either <laughs> so but let's see how our luck does uh, I want to emphasize for this question I will be nice and say let's wait till the end okay I I don't want you to jump the gun on this one 
Okay. Which team has the most runner-up positions in the Champions League after Juventus? Oh, God. Bayern Munich, AC Milan, Liverpool, or Real Madrid? Bayern Munich. Final answer? Yeah. And you slipped it past the keeper. That is a goal. Yes! <laughs> that is, you've got it. <laughs> that is a great one. Good, good, good. Oh man, I was I was a little worried I might have made it a little too hard, but that no, was perfect. No, I've read a book on Bayern Munich. I wish I remember the name of by heart. I have to shout out because they they I remember it saying how failure is kind of built into Bayern's identity. Hey, so, there we go. Right, all, all right, perfect. Okay, your, I got to see if I can claim it back. Your question is: Which of these teams has Luke De Jong not played for? <laughs> um, Sevilla, Barcelona, Newcastle United, or Bayern Munich? Mm. And we're Luca De Jong, correct? Uh, yes. Okay. Oh boy, my Luca De Jong trivia is very little. Okay. I'm talking senior appearance, by the way. Like he's made. At least a senior appearance. So it could have been from, like, you know, young in career. Okay. So he, yeah. And the choice is one more time. Um, they are uh, Newcastle United, Sevilla, Barcelona, and Bayern Munich. I could shoot myself in the foot here. But I will be 100% honest. I do not remember Dion coming over. Well, more specifically, going to England. Newcastle. Oh, he's fluffed these lines! No! Luca de Jong, he's 12-game loan spell from January 2014 to June 2014 at Newcastle United. Holy cow, he did play for England, in England. Holy he cow. also played for Sevilla. He also okay. played for Barcelona. He's it never played for Bayern Munich. The little bit of irony there. <laughs> well, congratulations, Alex. I appreciate it uh, very, very much. If you wanted to take a couple minutes, shout out what it, what you wanted. I uh, greatly appreciate your time and being able to show up on the podcast again. Well, thank you very much. But you can get over to it's uh, promoting my YouTube channel at the moment at Eurexpert. I'm trying to put more videos on there. So uh, come and join the journey on there at Eurexpert on YouTube. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Alex. I, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on.